Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. Our reading today is from the 58th chapter of Isaiah. Listen for the word of the Lord. Shout out, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, they say, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush, to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing spring up quickly, your vindicator shall go before you, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom even will be like midday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in the parched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters never fail. 
Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me again? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable into your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. What I will share with you today is based on Rebecca Six logic, because I couldn't look at this until yesterday. Do you love that? Using many quotes directly from the sermon she had begun before COVID sidelined her this week, but then put in language that is more me. So if you like the reasoning, please thank her too. There is a continual dance in the book of Isaiah between destruction and restoration, violence and redemption, injustice and healing, much like what we see in our world today. Sometimes destruction and violence and injustice seem the way of the world. But it doesn't have to be. The Israelis here were clearly called to intervene, as are we. In chapter 58, in the third section of Isaiah, it's clear that the Israelites wanted to know God. And following God's ways, fasting was a central way they did that. They asked for God's righteous judgment to help them please God. These Israelites could feel the distance between themselves and God, and they just weren't sure why. Their questions raise up to God. We've been fasting, God. Have you not seen us? We've humbled ourselves like our opening song in postures of worship. We've even laid down in the appropriate dress of sackcloth and ashes. Haven't you noticed? We've been trying. What's wrong? Where are you, God? And this is where we meet God as judge. Now, I like lots of differing names for God in Scripture. Breath, mystery, mother hen, creator, father. But I don't like to think about God as judge. It doesn't fit with the rebel-rousing, grace-giving, radically welcoming God I know who came and lived on the earth as a gentle Jesus. Shirzad Shamin, who serves as a coach for churches, has written a program on mental fitness. He says, 
Your mind is constantly sabotaging your potential for both performance and happiness. All your negative emotions, including stress, are the result of self-sabotage. Shamin explains that we all have saboteurs and describes them as those voices in your head that generate negative emotions in the way you handle life's everyday challenges. And he says we all have the same master saboteur called the judge. The judge is the universal saboteur that affects everyone. It's the one that beats us up repeatedly over mistakes and shortcomings, warns us obsessively about future risks, wakes us up in the night worrying, and gets us fixated on what's wrong with ourselves and others. This judge just sounds awful to me. But that's the title Shamin thought was fitting for this saboteur. A saboteur who focuses on all the things someone is doing wrong. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty close description of what I think of when I think of a personal judge. But I don't see how that description fits God at all. Because I don't think that's who God is as revealed to us in Scripture. You know, Calvin says, if you have trouble with a particular part of the Scripture, look at it in the context of the whole. God is not about beating us up for wrongdoings or setting us up for failure. Shamin's definition of judge is not the one we're talking about today. God wants a just world, a world where the bounty and beauty are shared fairly among all people and all of creation. Imagine a world without resentment, a world which can sustain good. God yearns for a beloved community, to use Martin Luther King's phrase, where all are included, all have a chance. And God had noticed these Israelites had fallen back on generations-old habits of focusing more on themselves, how they prayed, how they looked, instead of actively working towards God's hopes for all. God clearly points out to the Israelites through the prophet, you have not taken care of your own workers. You've taken too much, so your workers are oppressed while you sit here claiming to follow me. I won't have it. This is God's judgment. Tender, loving arms that reach out 
and pull us in to show us the truth and help us see the way. God was not seeking out their mistakes, but God was alert and ready when the people asked, do you not see us? I see you, God says, while you fast and oppress your workers. I see you when you pray and immediately quarrel and fight. I see you, God says, and I love you. And I also love my children who are bound right now by injustice and all who have been treated unfairly. Immigrants, people of color, the poor, the people you do not even see. I see you. I want you to live in abundance with all my creation. So you may need to shift or stretch or be mildly inconvenienced on behalf of others. Can you handle that? As a judge, God sees the whole picture. Far beyond what we can see from our limited vantage points, both then and now. When we sit in a place of comfort and privilege, God as judge can shift our view so that we can see where the cracks in the system are. Oh, there's injustice over there. Oppression over here. I'll never forget when my mother-in-law called us the first time she'd seen the video on George Floyd. She said, well, that's just not right. And this week, the shock of what happened with Tyree Nichols awoke us again. God helps us see where we are needed, arouses our righteous anger at injustice, shows us how to make a difference if we will listen. God as judge seeks to open our eyes in the way of real spiritual practices done with an open heart not to earn points with God, but to prepare us to enact God's will. It's actually the same message that Jesus, God on earth, lived out among us to show what it looks like to restore dignity, redeem our inevitable mistakes, and heal this world. Richard Rohr pointed out this week that it was in the place of worship, not the bars of the poor sections of town where Jesus recognized the evil ones and they recognized him. Roar notes, the only way evil can succeed is to disguise itself as good. Reminds me of that book on the devil by C.S. Lewis. One of the best disguises for evil 
is religion. Just pretend to love God. Go to church every Sunday. Recite the creed. Say all the right things. Someone can be racist against the poor, hate immigrants, be consumed with making money while ignoring workers, but still go to church each Sunday and be justified in the eyes of religion. Ouch. This is what God as righteous judge was calling out to the Israelites. Don't make yourselves look like you are doing and saying the right things. As long as racism, poverty, militarism, and sexism exist in our communities and our nation, we cannot simply bow our heads and say we love God. God as judge invites us instead to lift our heads after prayer. To go from this place with eyes alert for discrimination and injustice. Voices ready to speak up, hearts on fire to respond until all are healed and made whole. Drawing Near to God is not about making us prosperous or making us feel good. It's about making the world whole. When you go to God in prayer, God will answer because God is there. And God will answer like this. God will be revealed and made known to you in ways you never imagined. In ways that bless others as well as yourself. The translation called the message translates the end of our passage like this. Your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You will be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Let these images of light and healing settle into you and assure you that we are not alone. God is with us here, now, and always. Thanks be to God. Amen. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day and always, always. Amen.